Over the past 20 years, the movie Elf has definitely risen in popularity. It's not my favorite Christmas movie, but I do enjoy watching it. Uh, Fun fact, I have caught my dad watching Elf in the summer, Uh, so I, I believe he likes the movie as well. And as Pastor Mike talked about last week when discussing White Christmas, there's so many themes that you could pick and that you could choose from. Obviously, with this movie, you could talk about the redemption of Buddy's um, birth father, Walter. But I think one of the biggest themes of this movie, perhaps the biggest one, is Buddy's quest to belong. Buddy's search to find a place that he belongs. As an elf, he didn't feel like he belonged in the North Pole. And as a human, he didn't feel like he belonged among regular people. And even in his moment of crisis, he says, I don't belong here. I don't belong anywhere. Maybe at some point in your life, you've said that. Maybe you've never uttered those words out loud, but you've always had that feeling within you that it don't really feel like I belong, that it doesn't really feel like I fit in anywhere. Because finding a sense of belonging is incredibly important. In fact, researchers have determined that finding a sense of belonging is a fundamental human motivation. Finding a sense of belonging is a fundamental human motivation. It's how we're wired. It's how we are created by God. We're designed to want to belong to something. But while we may recognize this need, many of us don't actually feel it. Many of us never achieve that sense of belonging, that feeling that we fit in somewhere. Over half of U.S. adults report feelings of loneliness. Only 51% of high school students feel like they belong at their school. 79% of adults aged 18 to 24 report feeling lonely. Attorney Surgeon General actually says that there is a loneliness epidemic. Even people in the workplace, there's statistics that people don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like they fit in their workplace. So many people say they don't feel like they fit in in their local community. Some people say they don't even really feel like the United States is a true home to them. So many people don't feel like they belong. But loneliness isn't new. Throughout all of human existence, people have been searching for a place to belong, and many haven't found it. And this is true in Jesus' time, people not feeling like they belong. But when you read the Gospels, you'll notice something extraordinary. Jesus gave belonging to men and women who would otherwise be forgotten. He gave them a sense of belonging. Jesus went out of his way to invite the rebels, the outcasts, the marginalized, and the forgotten to be a part of his story, to be included in the pages of history. 
It's important to note that we don't have many written records of the time of Jesus. It wasn't common for people to document the events that were happening. This is one of the reasons why it is so credible to believe that the events surrounding the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus actually happened. Because the fact that we have several detailed written accounts of those events that all line up together is incredibly rare. That doesn't exist with anything else. Even the most influential and powerful people of his time, like Pilate, one of the most powerful people in that region, is merely a footnote in the story of Jesus. It's incredible that we have so many written accounts. And as Luke wrote, they're thoroughly investigated accounts of the birth. They're eyewitness interviews. And in these accounts are included so many men and women who we shouldn't know about today. If we don't even have that much information about Pilate, we do know that he existed, but we don't have that much information about him. Why should we know information about these random, minuscule people that are written about in the Gospels? These are people who had no major significance to society, people who are of a low status. Some people who are literally living out on the fringe of society. And we see this from the very beginning of the story of Jesus. The shepherds were included in the birth of Jesus. Now, the shepherds during this time were very rough, filthy men who literally lived on the outskirts of society. They lived out in the fields. They lived out in the wilderness, far away from the towns and the cities. This is debated, but many scholars believe that being a shepherd during this time was a low social status. But these filthy, dirty men who lived far outside of society were among the first to know of the arrival of the Messiah. Luke documented this. He wrote, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. We don't know much about the shepherds. It's not written that they did anything extraordinary in their lives. There's no list of accomplishments, of achievements. There's nothing that pinpoints to them being more spiritually mature or or more important than anyone else during this time. All we know is that they were shepherds in a field watching over their flock by night. And yet they were among the first to know about the birth of the Messiah. Jesus included the shepherds in his story. And as the story of Jesus's life unfolds, we see the disciples were invited into the ministry of Jesus. 
When Jesus began his ministry, he put together this very, very odd, strange, unlikely group of 12 men that we call his disciples or his first apostles. They were incredibly diverse, both in lifestyle, in background, in occupation, and some of them were even hated and despised. Now, during the time of Jesus, tax collectors were completely despised. Now, you may have an opinion of tax collectors today, but that is nothing compared to how they viewed them back then. Because the Jewish people were under Roman occupation, tax collectors were Jewish men who collected taxes from the Jews and paid it over to the Romans, essentially treason to the Jews. But not only that, they were thieves because the tax collectors would take more than what they were supposed to and keep it for themselves. And the Romans encouraged them to do so. They didn't care. As long as the emperor was getting what he was due, he didn't care what the tax collectors did. So people hated the tax collectors. In fact, Jesus, is, or Jesus mentions them several times throughout his ministry of, of, of using it as an example of don't be like the tax collectors. And everyone's like, oh, I don't want to be like the tax collectors. But there's this man named Matthew. There's this man named Matthew who was a tax collector. And you would think certainly no one in Jesus' day would document anything about the life of a tax collector. But they did. Because Jesus invited this man named Matthew to participate in his ministry. Luke also documented this. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Now, Levi was his Hebrew name. His Greek name was Matthew. Sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. I'm sure the disciples were not happy about this. I'm sure they weren't happy about this tax collector joining the ranks. Jesus actually went to a party at Matthew's house full of tax collectors. And it was a huge scandal among all the religious people. But I'm sure even the disciples weren't happy with it. In fact, they didn't trust Matthew to handle the money. You would think Matthew would be good at accounting because he was a tax collector. So wouldn't it make sense to give him that job? But because he was a tax collector, they didn't trust him. So does anyone know who they gave that role to? A man named Judas, who would continually steal from the money throughout Jesus's ministry. But Jesus gave Matthew a place to belong, whether or not he deserved it. He invited all of these men who consistently failed, did the wrong things, said stupid things, didn't understand what Jesus was doing. He invited these broken, hurt people to follow him. And then there's an extraordinary thing that happens that maybe doesn't even make sense to many of us. But at the very end of Jesus's life, a criminal was embraced during the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, crucifixion was an incredibly brutal death. 
but it wasn't just about the pain and the suffering that it inflicted because the worst aspect of crucifixion, the worst aspect of hanging on a cross was the humiliation, was the shame that it brought. Because a criminal who was crucified was hanging there naked and vulnerable on a mountain for all to see. Crucifixion wasn't just about executing someone. It wasn't just about punishing a criminal because there's other ways to do that. Crucifixion was to put someone on display to create such a shameful death that it completely wipes them from existence. That no one who saw that person hanging there would even want to acknowledge their existence or have any form of association with them. In the eyes of the people, these were the worst of the worst, the lowest of the lowest. They were rejected by society and they were immediately forgotten. And beside Jesus, he wasn't the only one being crucified. Beside him hung criminals, thieves. Again, the lowest of the low, people rejected by society. Some of these punished for committing the worst crimes. Something extraordinary happens. Luke says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Criminal did not seem to do anything to be deserving of this. He was punished. He even said himself, no, we deserve this punishment. He said, Jesus, will you accept me into paradise? And Jesus said, join me today. No baptism, no prayer of salvation, no church attendance or church service. Jesus said, you can come with me. We shouldn't know of any of these people today. We shouldn't know of them. We shouldn't know of the shepherds. We shouldn't know about the criminal. We shouldn't even know about the disciples, a tax collector, fishermen, why on earth do we know about these first century nobodies? Because Jesus gave them a place to belong. He gave them a place to belong in history and he invited them to join him in something far greater than they could ever imagine. So let's skip to modern day. How do you and I find where we belong? First one is this, belonging is found in your purpose. 
A true sense of belonging is found in your purpose when you understand and accept and realize what your purpose is and actively live it out. There you will begin to find a sense of belonging to say, no, no, no. I know where I fit in in this world. I know where I fit in in this story. I know my impact. I know where I belong. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God gave us a purpose before we were even born. An invitation to walk in our purpose where we belong. We all have a purpose. We all have a grand purpose to love God and to love others. And we all have a specific purpose as well, a specific calling. God has granted every one of us gifts. The Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts, teaching, caring for people, healing. These are gifts that you've been given. It's the very meaning behind our existence. And if you never realize and pursue your purpose in life, you'll never feel like you belong. If you don't feel like you fit in anywhere, maybe it's because you're not serving anywhere. And belonging is found in community. Belonging is found in community. The ministry of Jesus and his teachings created the most inclusive movement in history. You want to talk about inclusivity? Look at the ministry of Jesus. Look at the first century church. It didn't matter who you are and what you've done. All were invited to participate. No one is excluded from the story of Jesus. And the intersection of purpose and community is an unmatched, powerful experience. Paul wrote to the Romans, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. As Christians, Paul writes, that we form one body. We are no longer just individuals. We are part of something greater. This community that unites us. All around the world, there are people who proclaim the name of Jesus. Different nationalities, different races, different ages, different genders, different cultures, different backgrounds different politics, but we're united into one body through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And when you actively live in this community, function as a part of this body in the specific and unique purpose you have had, you will feel like you belong. I encourage you, there's a place for you to serve here in this church. Maybe we don't have a formal team, but if you know what you're good at, if you know what excites you, what your talents are, and you would like to do that for the church, tell us. We would love to give you what you need to do that, to fulfill your calling, to engage in your purpose. We're united by a cause. It's not just a lifestyle or an interest. That's what separates a church, a true church from other groups in the world. We're united by our very souls. That's a community. That's a belonging that is unmatched by anything else. And lastly, belonging is found in eternity with Jesus. Now, if you follow the two steps before, I promise you, you will feel a sense of belonging that most others will never achieve. But there will always be a part of you that's longing for something else. And the reason is because we belong someplace else. This earth is not our home. Paul wrote to the Philippians, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You and I are just temporary residents of this earth. We're just passing through. This isn't our home. And so we will always feel some amount of yearning until we are reunited with our heavenly father and our relationship is perfectly restored. We're promised through the gift of Jesus, a new earth that when he arrives, he will establish something new, something perfect in the presence of God with perfect bodies. And then we will be home. We weren't created for this imperfect, flawed world. We we're created for that. And until we're there, we'll always long for home. Peter wrote, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Through the gift of Jesus, if we accept that gift, we'll be given a new eternal home, a perfect earth where we truly belong, where we will be united with his heavenly father. I hope in this church, you feel like you belong. I hope you feel like there's a place for you here. I'd say that there is. Maybe that's not the case. 
There are many churches. God calls us all to a different one. But in the body of Christ, there is a place for you. That's why church is so important. It's not about tithing or singing songs or even listening to a sermon. It's about actively being a part of something greater than yourself, actively engaging in your purpose and your calling, being able to show the rest of the world that you have a home. And I hope that home is here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for giving us a place to belong, both on this earth as we engage in the body of Christ and we engage in our purpose in this wonderful, beautiful, messy community that we call the church. Lord, we long for the day we are reunited with you. We long for the day when we are truly home. And we thank you for the price you've paid to enable us to be there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.